0: Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast.
1: Hi everyone and welcome once again to the Sports Pro Podcast. My name is Owen Connolly. I'm the editor at large at Sports Pro. Hope you're all very well indeed. Very happy to have back with me this week Sports Pro Editorial Director Michael Long. Hi Mike. Hello Owen. And returning from, I don't know, another another remote recording service that you might have been logged into earlier today, unofficial partner, founder, podcast host, avoider of uh, strict professional definition, Richard Gillis. <laughs> and,
2: and indeed work. Uh, hello. <laughs> Richard, how are you getting on? I'm very well, actually. Yeah. I quite like the lockdown. I don't know what everyone's moaning about. <laughs>
1: All, all going to plan in, in Brighton. You've managed to get rid of the tourists and the the hen and stag party. It's very nice.
2: It's a really nice place once you get rid of the tourists. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that's that's my long term plan.
1: I think the same could be said for most places. It? Yeah, we are going to be talking today not about tourism, but about the effect of the coronavirus pandemic on the agency business in sport. We have Sam Carp talking a little bit later on to Lena. Ultson Gable, the Managing Director for EMEA at Wasserman. Uh, That's in part two. Um, And we're going to be picking Richard's brains about the role of an agency just now uh, here in part one. Before that, we've got a couple of bits of housekeeping to attend to. The first of them, Michael, I believe there is a new edition of Sports Pro Magazine available now.
3: There is indeed, uh, issue 109, hopefully... uh... Well, you haven't received your copy yet, have you? So you,
1: um, I, I haven't checked the post, but I, I don't think yeah. I have. Well, he, it, does, he doesn't read. It's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, well, if you if you uh, if you prefer to uh,
3: to read your print publications on in digital format, it's uh, it's freely available now uh, via the SportsPro uh, website. But yeah, uh, issue one hundred and nine, um, sport on lockdown. Uh, our early reaction early compilation of our um initial coverage of the of the pandemic on sports uh forms a big chunk of the, of this issue uh along with um a couple of bits on the anti-doping movement the clean sport movement however you want to call it uh we've got interviews with the uh former and current uh, world anti-doping agency presidents um along with uh, Travis Tiger, always outspoken, talking about the Russian uh, doping affair and Wada's handling of that and the role of the IOC, uh, some interesting stuff there. Um, and then uh, elsewhere, uh, bits on sustainability, um, your piece, Owen, on urbanisation and the impact that will have on sports and our lives in the 21st century, mm. and also... Uh, bit of a profile of Andreas Zagklis, the uh, Secretary General of the International Basketball Federation who kind of sets out his stall and his vision for international basketball's future. Uh, so yeah, lots, uh, lots to sink your teeth into if you've, uh, if you've uh, got a copy of it. If not, stay tuned, uh, it should be in the post.
1: Yeah, lots of, um, lots of partially or extensively rewritten copy, but all of it available online yeah indeed yeah this is our first ever full digital release of a sports pro
3: magazine i believe just trying to uh obviously um serve the industry at this at this time get it, get the uh get the magazine out there to existing readers and and hopefully some new new ones as well so yeah all um accessible through SportsProMedia.com.
1: richard you told us just before we started that you have your copy of sports pro issue one o nine
2: i do i have a uh yeah I do have it in front of me, actually. It's very nice. It's, very, um, it's good that it's almost, you know, you say it's it's partially or extensively rewritten. That gives me a nice warm feeling as a as a reader to, to go that <laughs> you, you could be asked to uh, to to rewrite the copy in the uh, in was, light of the <laughs> current crisis. Yeah. That's a it's a huge, you know, well done everyone at Sportsbro. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, as you, as you may or may not know, Richard, this is our annual kind of sport accord uh, host cities and federations issue. Obviously, Sport Accord, having been re- relocated from Beijing this year uh, to Switzerland, was uh, subsequently cancelled. So, a big chunk of the focus here was uh, <laughs> no more. Let's say uh, so. Yeah, we resorted to uh, Plan B, pivoted, as we like to say.
1: Richard, you've been you're, you're perusing that, but have you uh, have you yet indulged in the Sports Brow Insider series?
2: Um, I haven't. Why is it? Is it sort of compulsory? I thought I had a choice over that question. It's not like a sort of, it's one of these uh, things. I, I, I mean, I'm just getting hold of the locked in, you know, uh, protocols. I don't have to sort of subscribe to this as well, do I?
1: <laughs> you don't. It's by no means compulsory. It's, it's very much encouraged. Is this the one with Drew Barron? I saw Drew Barron's face. Drew Barron He's, was there. Lots of, lots of, uh, lots of insightful uh, contributions from people across the sports industry. We are two events into... Sports for Insider series, which, uh, for those who aren't aware, is our virtual conference program. Um, is, it, is it any good? It, it's very good. Well, if, if we do say so ourselves, um, we've, we've certainly we've enjoyed it so far, and uh, and and plenty of others have too. But don't take my word for it. Uh, sign up for the next edition, which is taking place on the thirteenth and fourteenth of May, and is focused on digital strategy. Uh, we've got people from Borussia Dortmund, UEFA, uh, MotoGP, Real Madrid, uh, Bundesliga, Queen's Club, lots of of different perspectives coming in on that. And that, of course, continues our schedule of fortnightly events that take us into uh, into September, uh, looking at uh, topics ranging from sponsorship to women in sport, sustainability, social media, uh, leadership, athletes, and business—lots more besides. Uh, it's all free, so head to sportsproinsiderseries.com to register, uh, and you can watch the events live, or you can watch all the video on demand at your leisure. So yeah, so that's that's something for you to do later, Richard, if you're so inclined, or you know, whatever. It's not. It's, yeah, you know I, I, it's...
2: I won't be doing that, but I'm sure people will be doing it.
1: <laughs> Good luck with it, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, formalities dispensed with. We are we're talking about agencies today, Richard, and the challenges that they're going to be facing in this this coronavirus era, uh in, in the you know with with the economic challenges and the um disruption that the sports industry is facing more widely. What what's the role of an agency in a crisis, Richard?
2: Um what well, I mean, it's first of all the the agency market around sport is very diverse. Lots of you know, it's big and small. Um, owned by networks, or you know, they could be global, or they could be individual sort of boutiques, specialists, um, or generalists. So there's lots of different different sort of shapes and sizes to the thing, and that's always the case. I guess it's that there there is a lot of worry. You know, it's hardly uh, telling tales to say. I mean, I, I've spent. The last sort of three or four weeks. How long have we been? I, I, I've completely lost track of time. Is it, it uh, sort of six six weeks? Eight? Weeks? How long have we been trapped in this living hell? This is this is about. I think
1: six or seven weeks. Been, I think we've been indoors here in the UK for six weeks, but the end of live sport came about ten days before that. Okay, so
2: there was that Friday, wasn't there, when? i think the premier league announced that they were you know everything was stopping and then since then i've been as you um very kindly said at the beginning i so i've i've got a podcast on my own it's very good and it's better than this one um but it's it's a uh i've spent quite a bit of time talking to people who are running agencies and obviously in the last sort of four or five years i've worked at, on you know for agencies as well um and the feedback initially over the last sort of few few weeks and last month and a bit is this is really uh sort of existential basically for lots of agencies because they're worried about well there's the immediate what do we do we've got you know often have got all those decisions that that get made initially we have got the furloughing questions you've got um trying to get on the phone you know keep clients close, trying to work out what clients want initially, and some of them will be in better places than others, and, and the situation will, will be um, determined by things like, okay, are we on a retainer with this client? Is it a long-term client? Is there trust, and, and do, we, um, do we think that, that that's a, a relationship that will endure this period? Some of Some agencies are on project by project, short-term transactional um, sort of meetings of convenience almost, and those obviously feel much more vulnerable. Everyone is asking, how much cash have we got? How much cash can we do we need to survive this over the next however long this period is? And that's one of the, the real problems. And then you've got to the question of, well, what are we? You know, what what do we do? And so, regardless of whether we're in a crisis or not, what is it that we're offering? And is it distinct from the competition? Is it? Is, do people know what we're we're about? And can we communicate that? And it's it's really you know all of the issues that agencies face day to day are just made you know be, uh, have been given a much much sharper point and it's very you know it's difficult to sort of generalize but I would say that there is a great deal of fear um in the agency market as we as we stand today
1: yeah I mean there's a lot to to tease out there but what from the conversations that you've had over the last few weeks what are people seeing as their priorities And, and does it does that really depend on the kind of financial shape they were in going in how dependent they were on you know um kind of Brief to brief, packages and and bits of work coming in, or whether they had longer, you know, more extensive cash reserves or longer term deals or, or whatever that they could lean on.
2: Yeah, so I mean, if you look at different types of eight, so if you look at someone right, you know, the the endeavours of this world, they've got a particular set of challenges. Someone like uh, CSM, likewise, that's a different shape, slightly different shape to something like Pitch, which is an independent um, sports marketing business. Or you've got the sort of M and C and Octagons of this world. You've got networked um, sports marketing entities within the sort of big five or six. You've, you know the WPP agencies, for example. So all of these are facing different challenges and it just depends on on where the money is coming how they make their money so if you think the classic sports marketing agency you know let's uh, a sort of um makes its money from a sort of activation budget if we if we focus on that now obviously if you look over the last well look at what would have been what we should have been talking about which is you know an olympic year euros a huge summer of sport all of that work that has been taken place so if you've got a beer brand or if you've got a a major partner as your client and you've got a car company or you've got an airline all of them will be saying like this time last year and before that they'd have said well you know next year is is what are we doing for that what's our campaign line what are we um what's the big idea and how does that then filter down into what that looks like in a shop for example in a supermarket if you're selling beer so all those questions that both big and wide but also granular have um, are, are been rendered almost completely irrelevant because obviously the events aren't taking place. However, the agencies and the client have already um, spent a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of resource creating stuff, inventory. So it could be, you know, adverts with Lionel Messi or it could be, it could be a talent-based campaign. It could be a whole social media campaign that you were, was about to be rolled out. All of that is now sitting somewhere on a file, and a lot of it – well, some of it can be repurposed, but a lot of it is never going to see the light of day or in certainly um, the form it was going to be taken. So they're carrying a lot of unused inventory, and that's, gonna, that's a cost that they're going to have to bear or the client's going to have to bear. And then they're going to say, well, what are we going to do creatively to try and help the client here what can we do what's in our gift and given that no one can go out and we you know it's everyone's watching the television and you know every advert is someone um you know in front of a bookcase or in front you know at home jumping up and down doing various stuff there is a limit to our sort of uh, uh tolerance for that and we'll see well if you are a sports marketing consultancy or an agency then what do you do? You know, if you, if you can't go outside, if there are no events, yes, of course, you can use archive footage and you can then just try and sort of create something from that. But it's really difficult. It's very hard to work out what, what the way forward is. And at the same time, you're carrying, quite, you know, your main cost is the people that work for you. And the, we're in this weird period where the government in the UK and in, you know, elsewhere have, have stepped in to try and help. And there is a short term, you know, it's the furlough, or we'll we'll pay for we'll defer loans, or well, there's 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 a number of things that the government can and is doing, but it's an inexact science, and it doesn't answer the question about well, what do you do at the other end? What's what's the route out? How do we keep these people? Can we keep them? And or are we laying people off and then starting again in September? Um, are we concertiniing down are we going to still be paying our rent through the through the summer over the last few months you know all of these very practical things married to the big sort of creative questions which is the bit that we all focus on in the you know in the media but actually the day-to-day running of a business is is incredibly difficult at the moment
1: yeah absolutely i'm just thinking you know as you as you explained there. um there is a lot of work that either can't take place or can't really be executed right now just because of of wider conditions and um, uh what is and isn't happening in the world but the what what kind of work is more valuable now what kind of you know because agencies basically they're service businesses and the assets that they have are the services that they can provide um so what do they have that's of value right now that they might be looking to to pivot to
2: well, they can always, you know, the, the, it comes back to what the purpose is and clients. Their client um, uh, agencies exist to to answer client problems. That's the that's the point of them. So the client's problem at the moment is is short term and long term. You've got short term, or well, what? Are we communicating anything, or are we just going to shut down and and you know put out sort of messages of we're all in this together, or we're we you know. No one is in the in the is going to come out with a award-winning campaign anytime soon because no one's in the mood to hear it. No one wants to be sold mm. to in this. You know, there's you've got this peculiar um, period where companies are sort of sending me messages of of either you know I'm with you side by side. You know, I'm you're, I'm your I'm a soft drink and I'm right next to you. You know, or I'm a, I'm a bar of soap and they're sending me a letter about something or other and you know you've got that sort of response but then also well what else are you going to say and what what do we do longer term and and there's been a lot of obviously a conversation about the optimistic story of 2021 is going to be okay well the olympics are going to be this great sort of re-ignition of of the sports world and we're gonna and there is going to be an explosion of love and everyone and i really really hope this is true by the way that's a night you know that might be a story in the agency. Then we'll be, okay, well, let's work on that as an idea. And then we'll say so we'll gather around that as a as a creative thought and we'll start to, well, what are we going to do? We're we going to start make new stuff now? We're we going to spend even more money? Or are we going to wait and just see how the land lies? Because there's absolutely no yeah. guarantees at the moment. So it's, it's really difficult. I've really got enormous sympathy for them.
0: You're listening to the Sports Pro Podcast.
3: Yeah, I think... Um... I guess that's an interesting point in terms of the role of the agency. obviously the the kind of unsexy stuff, the measurement and the the kind of listening that goes on to to ensure that you are advising clients in the right way, understanding their their problems, as you say, Richard, and getting the message right. Surely at this time, it's an opportunity for you know as an agency to. Perhaps take a step back and, and do all of that kind of sentiment analysis of social media and all that stuff that you know they like to talk about you know and make sure when you come off you know coming out of the off the back of this that you've you've kind of struck the right tone whether you're you know planning activities for the future or doing anything kind of reactionary now yeah just just doing that you know the, the legwork behind the scenes i guess and that's that's where i suppose agencies really earn their keep and um you know, the, a situation like this, a crisis like this probably shows the the importance then of yeah, knowing your client's needs, responding in the right way. Uh, as you say, Richard, different clients have different objectives. It's pretty, that's that's pretty obvious. And I think uh, it's, it's the value of those long-term lasting relationships are going to be, it's going to be pretty sizable right now.
2: One thing to to bear in mind, the other bit, which again is, we don't, see you know it's not obvious is the level of risk that they're carrying you know how much expansion they've been trying to go through in the good period we've had a period of you know a lot of of cheap money which will be encouraging for people who are running agencies to say right okay well we can expand here we can develop this expertise or this area we can take a punt on a new bit of um uh, of an offer, whether it's a date, as you say, it's a data or a measurement thing, or a creative or an esports division, all of which are predicated on revenues coming in reasonably quickly or almost immediately from a, a growing part of the sector, and, and that leaves you exposed. And obviously, if the money then suddenly stops, you're, um, you, you know, that's that's a consideration. You're more vulnerable at that point. The other bit is that okay, if you go right to the very top end of the market in terms of size, you've got people like Endeavor and who have who have you know every agency head wakes up and set and thinks okay, I don't want to be a supplier anymore. I want a piece of IP. I want to make you know um, I want to ownership. And obviously, Endeavor have, have led the way in that. They missed out on the IPO, running into um, the crisis. So you've got a whole load of different. Um, issues flying around at different price points in the agency sector which it's going to be really interesting to see how that sort of shakes down and whether or not we have the same look to the sector on the other side as we do did coming in is, is you know there's the, the 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 received wisdom is that there is going to be a sort of you know a correction in the market but also a great deal of consolidation terms of you know it is it will be a time where people get bought and sold and agency uh, brands will disappear and get subsumed into other agencies or there'll be sort of partnerships of convenience all of that we don't know but that's those are the conversations i'm sure and i know that are going on at the moment
3: to some extent i mean that's obviously happening across the board and and all sectors but specifically with the in the agency sector we've seen kind of the the whole notion of the middleman or the intermediary you know being called into question over recent years, I suppose, with, with pressure on the, that kind of business model and and things like that. And as you say, by, you know, a response to that has been to certainly by some of the larger agencies you mentioned, Endeavor has been to kind of take ownership of of assets um, rather than just kind of buying and selling rights and things. Does that ultimately make, I mean, Endeavor had, had its own problems coming into this anyway uh, with that failed IPO and huge amounts of debt. Uh, they've announced widespread layoffs and things. Um, but does that make them more susceptible at this this time or less? Uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, if you've diversified your business, then presumably not all departments within that business are, are being, you know, hit in the same way. Uh, you know, speaking to someone at IMG last week, they said, you know, yes, by all accounts, it's a... Um, you know, this has this has been a huge hit for the for the company from the live events perspective and from the media perspective. But actually, you know, the archive department's doing pretty well. Everyone wants archived content right now. Uh, I, um, you know, IMG Arena uh, with its virtual betting products and things that it's developing in that space is doing all right. SNTV, it's uh, IMG's partnership with um, Associated Press. You know, everyone's sports news continues to roll on and things. You know. Not, not saying for a minute that these make up the for the shortfall that 's coming from the, perhaps those core competencies or you know departments of the business, but yeah, just interested whether that diversification of of, of a business of an agency business has perhaps made them more better equipped to withstand the, these newfound pressures I think I mean in general the, the a diverse portfolio
2: of services does spread the risk the the, the issue. Or the question will be whether or not those bits that are doing okay at the moment, you mentioned archive and various other other things, um, make up for, you know, media sales, the media sales business, or the, you know, the the open championship or Wimbledon not happening, or, you know, all of that sponsor activation, all of the 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 um I mean you, you saw the sort of almost desperation to try and get UFC um events going um in, in the lockdown. That's it's sort of you're right in theory, but I do, I think I'm wondering in practice whether or not, you know, those those things balance up. And you've got to remember that these these agencies over a period of time um are a collection of companies, basically. And the question will be, um, and this is this goes for this is not just Endeavor, this is across the board. You know, I was talking to Jim Glover at Chime um, Last week, about this, in terms of, well, you know, Chime is a collection of businesses that have, have have grown up over the course of twenty years, and so the problem or the issue with that, and it's a real management problem, is is aligning those various individual sort of fiefdoms within under the the, the banner of one one agency. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes it's hard to integrate different companies together and the most difficult bit is is the incentive structures within those agencies because particularly in in sports marketing you could have for example a company that that makes its money from a from media sales and and rights sales you know alongside an activation agency who make a percentage on and essentially one of those entities make is is in favor of a um, if the client doing media media deals and the other agency makes money from a, an event-based sponsorship. So they're almost completely conflicting in terms of their their the way in which they make money. And that's really, really difficult to sort of bring together. And so at times of stress, and this is one of those, it's a question of, well, will they be better off together or will they start to be sort of paired off a bit and or, you know, individual parts of the business which on their own can be very nice businesses um whether they actually get sort of locked off or or divided up again um these things tend to come in you know are, are cyclical in nature
1: yeah and there's really two things going on i guess and, and two sets of pressures one is within the agency sector itself and the other when it when you're talking about uh endeavor or in a, in a slightly different sense the kind of wonder sports wonder in front you know, megaverse that they were creating there where they've already sold the ITU, uh, the the Ironman brand on in the early days of, um, of this shutdown. I think was that one already in the works, Mike? Yeah, I think it was.
3: Yeah. The, the world triathlon corporation or whatever, it, uh, not the ITU, the, the WTC. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, they sold the Ironman brand and they, but yeah, I think that was in the works.
1: But it's whether that, I mean, there, there already seemed to be some, some tension within that particular model in that in, in making that work and and both of them went through uh some some teething troubles with um with their ipos uh wanders underwhelming a bit where endeavor had pulled out and you wonder who you, know, you wonder whether some of the roles that organizations have taken on within the sports industry more widely will change once uh once things start to to wear into action again, because this is what's so unusual about this is that it's not, you know, it's not purely a case of companies over leveraging, although in some cases it will be. It's not purely a case of models that are a bit out of date, although in some cases it will be. It's every single lever has been pulled at the same time. Nothing is operational in any way that it was meant to be. You know, this isn't a recession. This is everything stopping all at once in uh, completely unforeseen or broadly unforeseen circumstances other than in kind of, you know, crisis management planning the, uh, at a much higher level. So it just, I just, I wonder what either of you think about how the, um, the, the different parts that agencies or investors of other kinds, if we're looking at what Endeavour and Wanda had been doing, will start to play given that we had been talking about changes to some of these models to begin with.
2: I don't well I don't know the, the 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 question that I'm wondering as you as you're talking there is about we've, we've had a decade of very cheap money and and you know you've got private equity and we we you know lots of people talking about venture capital and private equity in sport and what that means and you know new ideas being trialed and with uh, or, or bits of you know new events being launched. We've seen the cricket and the hundred being launched, and so you've got a you've got that investment money is going to want a return, or at least it's going to you know it's it's not going to be an endless sort of uh, just a a stream of cash that's going to come in. So it's it's that's one of the challenges again. One of the things is that well what what happens now? Um, and we've seen this in in terms of the the, the media. Sort of agency, or sorry, the media, media, television companies wanting, you know, or challenging, wanting their rights back for, for un, unmet inventory. We've also got a whole load of venture capitalists who are um, have either put money into sport in sports agencies or sports um, rights holders. And what happens now, or they are about to, or they might see, okay, well, let's let's see what happens in two months' time because obviously the prices will be. Will be lower, so that's a that's a big unknown. I'm not sure it's the same point you were making.
1: I mean, it, it, it partly is, and it's it's partly just you know you think of what the role of a a rights arbiter is, is going to be as well in in the agency space, and what the role what the role any of these companies play, which ones will end up going in house, which ones will just be uh, companies that get shuffled around and, and repackaged, which companies are going to survive. We, we don't really know any of that because. What we have is is a kind of firm stop, but it's it will be intriguing, Mike, to see what kind of what kind of patterns we end up with.
3: Yeah, I think there's gonna, I guess there's gonna be a a, a bit of a shakedown in that regard, and there's gonna be a trimming of the fat in in many respects. And I think, you know, there's already been kind of abundantly it become abundantly clear that some properties and events are, are worth saving, and others probably aren't so much. Um, and I guess it's how you how you manage that in terms of the, from the investor perspective. I suppose you know there's going to be new opportunities and there's going to be investments that aren't aren't looking so rosy now. And it's just you know it's down to those investors to to see where the kind of chips fall and and figure out where the market goes from here.
2: The other the other bit, Owen, is sorry, just is is is, is the client if you're uh, if you're looking at this from the agency's perspective. One again, one of the themes and just bouncing off something that Mike just said there, is that the client has effectively become a competitor in many cases. So, you know, when Man United start to appoint creative directors as they did over the last six months, then you know that they're building a, you know, they have built effectively an in-house agency. Now, the question as of today is, is that a boom time decision? Is that something that you know is is was a signal that they had the money and they wanted to take control over their their sort of creative output and that's why they did it and they'll continue to do it or is it something if I'm an agency I'm thinking well mate you know that's a trend that probably it feels like you're not going to start to open do that today you know i i i think there's a question mark in terms of whether or not rights holders and the development of rights holders um in terms of effectively you know moving into increasingly encroaching on what was traditional agency territory i think there's going to be a pause in that trend certainly because it just takes a lot of money and investment to do it and there isn't any appetite to do that so um you know if you look at someone look at the european tour of golf they've got other things to think about other than sort of housing an in-house agency for creative or whatever you know i think there's a there's a there's a big question mark over that that whole thing and that's where agencies the agency market as as you said it exists to solve clients problems and the clients problems change and so the agencies will change it always will be agencies because it's that's that's part of the you know it's part of the business makeup and particularly around marketing if you look at some of the you know the big advertising agencies they contract and they 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 grow just depending on the certain you know themes and trends if you look at sports marketing agencies one of the problems that we've had over the last five to five years is there has been a blurring of actually what they do because they, they've a lot increasingly sort of gathering around these sort of abstract nouns of, of things like data and creative and content and everyone is claiming to do everything and probably what is going to happen now is that you'll see a sort of flight to expertise where people say right well, okay i am I am this, this is what I do. And one of the benefits of, of um what Two Circles did, and the reason they get a lot of of credit and have, I think, been, you know, very influential over the last 10 years, is that they went with a very narrow expert story that we are the data people. And that was very appealing. And you knew who knew what they were. And if you, you know, that's that's how they positioned themselves. The other story is big and global. If you've got a big um, network story, you can say, right, okay, we are WPP or we're Havas or we're Omnicom and we've got offices all around the world. And if you're a global client, we can help you out and we do everything. And that, there is a power signal there, which again is appealing to some major brands. Big global brands want that. One of the challenges in, in sports marketing terms is actually trying to establish and make enough money from your expertise. Quite often, I'd sort of look around the office and, you know, look at agencies and i go into agencies and i wonder what they do these people do because they're all doing various you know iterations of content or um you know bits you know it could be a pr agency who wants to encroach into oh, we can do a bit of content we'll get the work in and figure it out later or we can be the creative shop we can own the idea all of these things that that are difficult in isolation one of the trends of the last few years is a lot of the agencies have been a sort of blurring of those lines. And that's that's going to be difficult to reconcile. Or it might be a, a moment we say, OK, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We are this, you know, and and this is where we stand.
1: Well, we will see how all of that unwinds in, in due course. And uh, best of luck uh, to everyone facing the many challenges that they will be facing. Uh, we're going to hear from Lena Ultson-Gable uh, of Wasserman, the Managing Director the EMEA region uh, about the role of a a sports marketing and talent agency during a pandemic and what it's doing to support its clients right now. Uh, Sam Carb will be asking the questions just after this.
0: Help us spread the word about the Sports Pro Podcast. Subscribe, like and share our content on social. Join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag SportsProPod. And if you're enjoying our work, why not leave us a rating and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you want to get in touch, you can send us an email, podcast at sportspromedia.com. The Sports Pro Podcast, we're listening to.
4: What What kind of impact has, has the COVID-19 pandemic had on the way Wasserman operates as a business? And I mean, how, how, how have you had to adapt in, in the initial phase? Yeah, I,
5: uh, I was looking at this question. I, I um, You know, ultimately... How we operate as a business, I don't think it's, it's changed fundamentally and how we approach our business and how we approach our clients. I think the challenge really has been that it's stressed our systems. Um, it's, tre- it's stress tested not only our technology, but our people and our, our uh, continuity amongst our, our global family. We haven't had the backstop of the brick and mortar. Uh, in any of the regions in order to sort of sub- to support uh, our sort of um, multi-market uh, communications and the servicing for our clients. So I think it's really just stress tested us on our values more than anything else. And it's actually changed the way we operate. I mean, obviously, they're the natural things that have changed. Everyone is working from home, as I mentioned. Uh, everyone has their families around. Uh, there is no sport on TV, which is a first and, and shocking, at least in our mm-hmm. household. But as far as, um, you know, as far as how we operate our business, I think that's the same. It's more of um, making sure that the connection is really important. And and we do preach this a a lot with our with our team and our family. And um, and the good news is that during this time of of what I would call just a global crisis pandemic, uh, we've had really strong leadership uh, out of L.A. from from. From our chairman and our CEO and and on down, that I think they really were vocal up front. So that's helped us reinforce everyone to just calm down and it's sort of try to maintain business as usual, or as we joked on our um, social media, unusual. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. again, we've really tried to stress that you know we are going to go about our business the very same way of helping people solve problems.
4: Yeah, sure. So I mean, obviously, in that sense, kind of your role as an agency hasn't changed too much. But I guess the way that you're trying to deliver those services has. I mean, that, what's, what's some of the ways you're trying to overcome that?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, with, with us, we try to play the role of advisor and partner with a lot of our clients. And those are our strongest and most successful. And, and frankly, um, uh, proof is in the pudding because our, you know, once we have clients, we tend to have them for quite some time. Uh, and so, you know, our role has been the same. Uh, what hasn't been the same is sort of, the questions that we've been challenged to answer, usually they're much more commercial, commercially related. And right now it's more, what is the right thing to do? Um, What is, you know, what is the environment? You know, I think this, none of us prepared for this. Um, None of us did anything wrong to find ourselves in this situation, but we are all trying to remain calm and trying to guide our businesses and maintain our businesses whilst, the world is trying to figure out what is actually going to happen and what the point of arrival actually is so there are a number of different questions that we have to have to answer um, and you know we have been on the front lines with a number of our clients helping them with their uh, okay not only what's going on now and they're sort of you know triaging and and, and helping them um, mitigate what's going on now and any of the challenges now but also how do I recover from this how do I how do I come back stronger, bigger, better? Because this will end, and we will move forward, and we will still have businesses to run, and we will mm-hmm. need to continue to 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 manage that.
4: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned there, obviously trying to keep calm during all this, because I'd imagine that some of your clients maybe necess- not aren't necessarily calm. You know, there's a lot of, there's um, there's a lot of uncertainty at the moment, and obviously you're in that role as an advisor. Um, obviously, your clients will be coming to you to kind of you know help guide them through this process in a way um so i mean what's kind of what's kind of been some of that general reaction of your clients and you know how, how they've made sense of where all this is going
5: you know the, the most interesting thing um has been the human side of it a lot of our clients have come mm-hmm. out and be really human i think you know and we're all supposed to wear sort of our our gladiator attire and focus on sports and entertainment and supposed to entertain other people. But at the end of the day, it's about, there's a human side to this, right? There's the people and their organizations. Um, and then there's, you know, the product or what they have to do. And, and the needs are very different. I think, you know, you've, you've asked me about the different range of verticals that we've, we have to, um, work with and they all have very different needs, right? So if I'm a rights holder, and I'm, you know, having to shut down my operations, and I have some very big financial challenges. But then I also have a brand and a product that is probably going to be one of the first to come back and 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 recover from this as well. You know, as far as people are desperate to have sport again, or or music, or or anything, or absorb it in any different way, um, it's a very different type of um, support that we provide than we would provide maybe a brand client who has to be very sensitive to what the message is. I think. I've been a bit turned off by some of the the comms or some of the, the articles I've seen about, this is how you market in this time of crisis. Well, first and foremost, you mm. have to wonder, are you going to market right now? What is the message going to be? How do you keep your brand human and relevant and engaging? And it, it's literally less about the brand and more about the environment that it's in to make sure that you don't upset the apple cart and take away any of the goodwill or, or the work that you've been doing up till now.
4: Yeah, sure. And I mean, um, just across all of those verticals, then I mean has you know are the needs of some clients within each of those verticals more pressing than others I mean obviously it's you're working across brands properties athletes um as you say that the needs in each of those vary but is there kind of some are there some where the where the need to act is a little bit more urgent than others
5: yeah I would say the natural piece here is is are the athletes the opportunities around the athletes people are so Mm. starved for any sort of sport content right and and the athletes are home and idle hands right now. Right. And, and they're, Mm -hmm. they're, you know, first and foremost, we honestly wanted them to be safe. And then, you know, we're working on helping them keep fit, but then ultimately they're concerned and wanting to give back and, that's not something that they usually think about, yes, they think about it in their day job, but you know right now there's an opportunity for them as well right and and so that's something where maybe they need a little bit more help and guidance from our infrastructure and a company like Wasserman can support our roster of athletes by leveraging also some of our other side of the house our marketing skills um for our very own our, our very own members of our family um so I would say that's a very pressing need for us and and we can leverage our existing infrastructure, which may be uh, paused a bit for our brand and rights holder clients, but you know we can we can lift and shift that to support and take that very same advice that we've been giving some of our brands and properties clients uh, to our to our own athletes. Um, I would say on the on the rights holder side, you know there is a there's a definite urgency for them to look and plan and decide if they're going to cancel or postpone, and that those are decisions that they need to make because they understand their own. Um, uh, as far as their own calendars and their own insurance premiums and insurance programs. But for us, it's about, okay, what are your options and what does that mean? And helping them think through the impacts and the sort of ripple effect Mm -hmm. as it all the way goes down to, um, their, their different commercial partners, but then also their, how do they satisfy their media partners? If you play behind closed doors, how do we help you find that fan engagement? You know, there's, there's, um, there are a number of different leagues that have a number of different questions and no one has the answers. So, you know, um, it's just about, you know, problem solving because we, we have that insight in, obviously, to the talent side, as well as obviously the fans and then the media side of it as well, that we just try to provide the best information and support and, and be that sort of extra, extra um, sounding board for our clients as they make these very tough decisions.
4: Yeah, sure. And I mean, you mentioned obviously the the talent, the athletes having more time on their hands. It's kind of an opportunity for them to build their brand in a way. But more more broadly, I, I suppose, um, while a situation like this is obviously far from ideal, at the same time, this period has also given you an opportunity to to encourage your clients to to get creative. I think I guess we've we've seen across the board quite a few cool initiatives being rolled out. Is that something that you're kind of trying to encourage your your clients across all those verticals to do?
5: Absolutely. Um, I would say, if it almost goes back to your first question, but you know the, there is a subtle, a, a small silver lining here that actually has been really quite cool to see um, the troops mobilized from all across Wasserman, uh, from our production yeah. teams, to our creative teams, to our talent teams, to work together and have brainstorms and, and really, you know, come up with these ideas for the for the talent that are want to get engaged, whether it's for, you know, a proposal for the UN or whether it's for a, uh, the Premier League initiative or, you know, we are helping our talent um, consider and how they take advantage of this, obviously, uh, respectfully, but, you know, I mean, the, the, they are looking to get their families and guests on platforms like Instagram and Twitter, you know, the shows about cooking or painting or staying in shape, you know it's great. They enjoy it. Right. And um, there's nothing better mm. than someone uh, doing something fun and doing some good uh, during this time. And also, you know, you know, getting engaged with their fans.
4: Obviously, from a brand perspective, um, with no live sport and entertainment happening at the moment, um, a lot of the kind of, you know, promotional campaigns that they'll have had going on and some of the on the ground activities that they would have been doing alongside those kind of now null and void. Um, I mean, what sort of some of the ways that that you're seeing brands redeploy their their budgets, um, while while those live events aren't happening, you know, I mean, obviously we've seen some uh, some brands obviously reallocating by donating towards, I guess, medical equipment. Is is that something that that you're seeing become a trend as well?
5: You know, it's funny they they've all reacted very differently. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of them uh, sports is is a part of their a marketing mix, and I think a lot of them are being guided by. Um, a larger sort of halo directive on the brand on how they want to be seen during this time. Um, we definitely do uh, support our brands in any way that they, you know, however they feel, whether they want to circle the wagons and prepare for, for how they come out of this time, um, whether they want to be seen and be active and, and you know, um, uh, redistribute resources to to new places and and get involved and be very active. We we have been helping them connect the dots as well. Um, A a number of them, our, our first and foremost goal is to help them protect their investments. And from them, they have to guide us as far as what are their objectives during this time Based upon sort of a higher order than than usually we play at, so um, you know it's it's it really depends on on what the directive is from above, how how visible and how active they want to be. You know, a lot of them are dealing with their own financial challenges right now and and have brought mm. things to relatively a, a standstill. Given they've have their you know employees that they're furloughing or they're having cost cutting exercises, um, you know it, it's they have bigger issues than 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 the investments that they're making in sports, but that doesn't mean that the smart marketers now and, and those that will lean in can't do the preparations for the recovery, because we will recover from this. There may be a recession, but sports, as we've seen time and time again is, is a bit recession proof. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the the winners in this, in this very unfortunate and crazy times will be those that, that's that lean into let's make a plan depending on which way this is going to go. For,
4: for brands, obviously there's obviously kind of, some value to be seen to be backing some of the recovery effort and, you know, supporting some people who have been hit particularly hard. But I guess just just how hard is it to kind of strike the right tone, you know, between that and being seen to maybe, you know, possibly looking like you're trying to take to, trying to exploit the situation or take advantage of it as a kind of, you know, quick marketing play?
5: I think it has to do with what the brand has done up till now, right? And it has yeah. to be in an area which is, uh, which is which is authentic to them, um, and leveraging some of their existing resources. You know what some of the the, the different booze brands um, have done. With you know making hand sanitizer and leveraging what they have access to and what they can control and what they how they can help in their very own way to some of the F one teams with their help with the, the ventilator technology and really the advancements in there I mean everyone's got to help in their very own way It's definitely not a time for badging It's definitely not a time for um, an an overt message going out But if they can help either those that have been you know that are unfortunately um struck with the coronavirus if they can help the key workers if they can help entertain those that are at home and and you know provide some you know um you know opportunity for uh entertainment whether it's with Joe Wicks or whether it's with you know other opportunities i think that's it, it's funny because that's almost you know as i sit here and talk about this with you it's the same premise that we provide that and the and the advice that we give to our brand clients when we're not in crisis is you know add value mm-hmm. go beyond the badging exercise yeah. provide something to the fans to those involved to the players to those the audience and and i think that really you know as we sit here and talk about this i don't know if those rules are actually change it's just more amplified and i think there would be a, a real challenge to a backlash if anyone got that wrong
4: yeah for sure that's interesting actually and i mean looking at from a from a sort of sports property perspective obviously they're in a unique position at the moment where they're you know having to find different ways to provide value to their sponsors um while obviously the main thing which obviously the spot sponsors have signed up for which is the live event is kind of on hold i mean are you are you sort of the rights holders that you work with are you, are you encouraging them to come up with campaigns and initiatives whether it be you know esports or different content um where sponsors can get involved and back that as well
5: it's a it's an interesting one um i i think you know that a lot of them if they're postponing it um you know they can develop new programs and and new opportunities Mm -hmm. uh for their for their uh, brand partners and i think they should be looking at that i don't think anything fully replaces the live sport but if you can provide them some sort of relevance or platform or leverage content or old content um i think i think there's a way to keep them happy i don't think anyone is breaking down anyone's doors at the moment to get immediate refunds, but they want to show willing and they want to know that they're considered uh, and they want to be part of the solution, right? I mean, people are dying mm. to have the Premier League back, right? People are dying to have football yeah. back in general. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity around that. I think it's just navigating the different rights. And, that, and that's something, you know, we, we as an outsider don't have all the answers for them, but we can help them develop platforms and campaigns and new opportunities but you know, in some cases, you know, there there will have to be refunds provided, and you know, in the cases of unfortunately Wimbledon being cancelled, uh, maybe. Um, but you know, I think you know it, it just depends on. Um, I think it's about communication. Actually, I think it goes back to how, if you're genuine and, and real with the with the with the brands, they are very sympathetic because a lot of them are big marketers from big brands, and they'll understand it as well. But they just want everyone reaching out across the table to find an opportunity to stay connected um, and to to stay connected, to stay relevant, to help the communities that they work in, because, you know, sport here, particularly in the UK, is very much a community-based opportunity. And, you know, I think that's where clubs have to remember this and not just think inwardly and not think about the challenges that are coming down from potentially not playing and the loss of media rights and so on and so forth, but also think about the human side of, Let's just have a conversation. Let's not think about, well, this isn't in your rights or that's not in your rights. It's about, okay, what is the right fit for your brand? Look at all their partners, come up with ideas, invest in their partners, and maybe do a few things that are maybe beyond the contract to make everyone feel like, okay, we're in this together. Because we are ultimately in this together. No one could have predicted this. No one... Uh, this is probably the only time that I've ever at least seen it that you know in my lifetime that the entire world is in the same situation, albeit in various stages of it. And there's no one that's escaped it, right? There's not like there's been an earthquake in one place or there's something else in one market, <laughs> and we can go somewhere else. It's it's happening to all of us right now. I think we just need everyone to reach out, stop thinking about contracts, start thinking proactively, treat it like the off season, treat it as you know this is the long game for all of us to be in it. Uh, and not mm-hmm. about the sort of short-term pain
0: this is the sports pro podcast
4: it was interesting that you touched on that community element there because obviously the sports and community is something that i i think is really kind of you know sport people use sport as an escape it's kind of it's sort of those social interactions are something that people build their calendars around. And I, I kind of guess that after this, that sports and community will only be stronger. I mean, once that sort of, once we do kind of return to a semblance of normality, what's going to be key to kind of for brands striking the right messaging with their activities, once those live events resume, because I assume tapping into that community element will be something that will be very important.
5: I think it will be. I think I thousand percent agree with you that there has been some, some, you know, very touching moments and, and some sort of people really, I think, you no know, people haven't been without sport in a long time, right? So I think this has been the first time where we realize how embedded in our culture it is. And it's a reminder to people who think of oh sports, that's that thing over there, how it's really impacted all of us that there is nothing on TV, no curling, no football, no, you know, athletics, no nothing. um There's all, you know, there's, there's obviously historical footage, but there's, you know, this is a, a very unique time and I think it's reminded people how important and how embedded it is in in their day-to-day and in their in their various cultures around the world um I do hope so and I I think this will probably you know it's my own opinion of course but um it will open up a new avenue for people to start thinking maybe deeper about the commercial and community impact that they can have, tying those two things together. Cause you know, I fundamentally believe, and we have also told our clients this in the past is, you know, again, be relevant, help the community, um, help the brand by helping the community. So, you know, um, there's no reason that those two have to be mutually exclusive. Um, And, you know, I think there's a real opportunity when you tie that together for the the biggest impact. Um, You know, community programs have often gotten a bad name by not being, you know, the number of eyeballs that you can get with some sports from a global sort of TV audience or sort of global platform mm-hmm. or multi-market platform perspective. But, you know, it's a both and in this case, I think there's, a, there's I think this has, this will reawaken people to, there is that third leg of the stool, which is um, taking these programs at a local and, a, you know, a local, regional and global and, you know, multi-market global level.
4: Mm -hmm. sure i mean what when when sport does kind of return as well what do you think the messaging will be like because i guess it's you can't just kind of go back to doing you know i guess if you are say um a sponsor of the premier league for example you can't just immediately go back to what you were doing before all this happened right you've kind of you kind of got to change the messaging accordingly um you can't just kind of jump straight back in
5: no i think a lot of that depends also how it comes back um, you know, and it depends on how you were activating before, right? There are there are partners of the Premier League that have, were about the grassroots community and engagement. And, you know, I, I, I would say even the Cadbury stuff, you know, about um, people playing and, 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 and touching the sport in various ways. Um, if it's playing behind closed doors, I think that's different opportunities. It's about how do you take care of season ticket holders? How do you help people sort of connect with it? How do you get, you know, use different camera angles? But that also requires... A lot of thought and time, and additional um, opportunities and strategies uh, with the rights holders, right? To think about how that they can engage with that. I mean, you know, I, I yeah. I mean, are you going to run? Are you going to run fan promotions? You probably will. It's just going to have, you know, people mm-hmm. are going to be desperate to to digest or, or or suck up any little bit of sport that they can. And again, it's about, if you think it's getting people closer to the game, that's probably going to be more important. But you're going to have the most eyeballs on it, right? Whatever comes back first yeah. is probably going to get a massive, massive boost.
4: Yeah, for sure. No, I, I definitely agree. And I mean, I mean, when, as, as we say, you know, what's going to be particularly interesting, I think anyway, is also this, You know, we're gonna have this clutter of sports events, assuming that it does come back maybe well, whenever it does come back, whether it's towards the end of the year, whether it's early next year. I mean, we're already looking at, you know, you'd assume that everything will kind of resume around the same time, whether it's the Premier League, Motorsport, the NBA, all of these different major leagues that never really have had to deal with clashing before. And at the same time, you know, all of these sponsors that maybe give certain attention to different sports or different leagues at different times of the year, all of a sudden they're going to have to, they're going to have all these things happening at the same time to deal with. I mean, is that, do you think that could present a potential problem for your corporate clients or will they be seeing it as more of an opportunity?
5: I I think there's going to inherently be a a problem because there's only so many weekends Mm. and days in the year. Right. And by the grace of God, by the way, we have this problem. (laughs) That would be an excellent problem to have. Um, You know, given the reports that are out now, I'm, I'm probably a bit more pessimistic than I used to be. I was definitely an optimist going into this, but, you know, getting large amounts of people in a venue is going to be very challenging, uh, you know, with, with a lot of the unknowns that we have right now. Um, I think people will have to make decisions. Yeah. I think brand marketers will have to make decisions. You know, I think, I think there's going to be, people are going to lose money, but it's, I think everyone needs to go into this with understanding that, you know, we, Everyone's also going to have to work together across the sports entertainment community because it's only good for all of us if the teams and leagues and everyone work together on calendars and, and we limit the amount of competing, uh, competing content going on at the same time. It will happen. Uh, brands will have to make choices. But I think there's a larger piece here about reigniting and, and, and reinvigorating the audience first. And then ultimately brands will have to make their challenges or make the choices based upon and cut their cloth based upon the remaining resources they have available. Cause I know a lot of brands have had cuts on their marketing budgets for this year. And what is that long game? Again, if I, I sound like a broken record, but it really is about the long <laughs> game and where you want to commit and the audience that you want to commit to.
4: Just, just moving on a little bit now, cause I'm keen obviously to talk a little bit about the sort of talent representation side. Um, I mean, Obviously, we've seen, as we've said already, obviously, most sport is on hold, but we've also seen, you know, Tokyo 2020 postponed, Euro 2020, you know, some major events. Um, so, I mean, what's, what are some of the ways in which the athletes on your roster have been affected by the pandemic? Um, and what have been kind of some of their overarching concerns amidst all of this uncertainty?
5: Yeah, it's not been ideal. I mean, it's it's a real shame, no. um, particularly for for the Olympic athletes, obviously, you know, mm. having to wait and sort of work on their, their training cycle and really perfect it that they peak at the right moment. Um, so that's probably been the thing that's been interrupted the most is their training cycle. I mean, some of these athletes have spent years preparing uh, to maximize their performance in this one specific month, and now they have to extend their timetable for an extra year. So that's, you know, financial resources it's time in the saddle funny enough we were just talking about this you know some of the, it might actually benefit some of the younger athletes uh because mm-hmm. they can you know they can obviously um be better poised to qualify for the olympics again oh. and and or you know win a medal in 2021 versus 2020 some of the older athletes you know taking a step back and thinking oh my god this is going to be my last olympics and i need to now train for another year and, and all that comes with that I think it's going to be a challenge for them you know and I think that's that's it's just really tough on 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 that world or the world of, of you know Olympic events and athletes because it's all about peaking at the right moment so
4: yeah sure and um I mean a lot of a lot of those um Olympic athletes I guess will have you know endorsement deals with with big brands as well um would, I'm, I'm interested to know, you know, would, would marketing campaigns and promotional elements around those partnerships, have, would they have already got underway? Um, can they be repurposed in any way for next year? Or is that something that kind of will be addressed further down the line?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I, most definitely they can. I mean, the answer is, you know, to both of these questions, it, it's case by case, um, hmm. you know, how people are dealing with this and have things gotten underway. A number of things have gotten underway. And, and to be fair, a number of the... Um, uh, Brands have been really proactive and, and doing the right thing, and really coming out in support behind these athletes, and that's been really impressive. That these big brands are, are, are taking this in stride and understand the importance of the, uh, the importance of uh, sponsoring, you know, and the support that they provide to these athletes that you know are trying to peak at their certain times. You know, I think the brands, most of the brands, will stay committed. Uh, and that's doing the right thing and, and, and sticking behind these athletes and trying to help them bridge this gap. I mean, I think there's a real opportunity for those brands to help them continue their training and continue their commitment to being the best in the world. Um, and, you know, I think we'll see a lot of them extend to 2021. You know, I don't want to start naming brands, but I do think, you know, there are there have been some that have absolutely committed to the cause and that's, you know, that's that's impressive. And this industry just continues to impress me in that way.
4: Yeah, sure. And I mean, um... How important is an athlete's representative at a time like this? You know, because there's obviously so much uncertainty around when sport is going to return. Some athletes will have, you know, contracts maybe running out in the next next few months. I mean, how much will they be leaning on their advice of, of their agents and their representatives at times like this?
5: Probably more than more than they usually will, right? Because I think this time of uncertainty, mm-hmm. the agents in theory would be more dialed into the business side of the of sport. Uh, and understanding and trying to navigate and keep them top of mind with their you know various sponsors with the opportunity working with the IOC I mean you know these athletes are are, you know trained and finely tuned to be the best in the world Um, and they need to you know lean on their supporters advisors their their team to make sure that they can they can work through this time uh this sort of uncertain time um they don't They don't really have the headspace or probably a lot of them don't have the um, wherewithal or the contacts in the network to continue to keep top of mind um, or to be, um, you know, constantly pounding the pavement and and understanding where the industry is and what opportunities are for these athletes. They need to focus on staying a fine-tuned athlete. And so I think that the the Mm -hmm. need rises even more because the information and the goalposts and, um, you know, what comes next is changing all the time.
4: Yeah, and I mean on the on the flip side of that, obviously we've mentioned already, as you were saying, kind of the opportunity for athletes to kind of make the most of this time. I, I suppose this is quite a good opportunity for them to grow their brands, right?
5: Yeah, I mean it. It is. It is. It's. It's. Um, you know, I think they. Um, it is a great time to have content. It's a great time if athletes are open. It's great time. You know, for those that want to lean in and and you know you know indulge in their hobbies, create personal content, engage with fans, and find new fans. But they also need to, you know, make sure that their team is is putting them in the right place, the right time, the right content, um, and really working with them to make sure that that right content is heard in the right places. So, you know, it's it's not about just putting as much content. You know, bad content is bad content, and you you know you need you know, this content also will impact potentially, you know, what sponsors think of you as well. So you need someone that is there to guide and be a sounding board um, and help you refine and maintain and and grow your brand uh, when there is this captive audience. And it does extend your window, but uh, also is very limiting in the fact that, you know, you have to go seek it out and you have to be different and you have to, you know, make sure that you're portraying yourself in the right way.
0: Join the conversation with the sports pro community. Follow us on Twitter at SportsPro, find us on Instagram at sportspro.media and connect to SportsPro Media on LinkedIn, where you can also become a part of our specialist OTT community. SportsPro, connecting and inspiring the business world of sport.
1: All right, that'll do it for another SportsPro podcast. Thank you to Lena Altson-Gable and thanks as well to Sam. Richard, thank you for coming on. How is, uh, how is everything in the world of Unofficial Partner at the moment?
2: Unofficial partner is very good. We're having a, um, uh, well, I don't want to say we're having a good break, uh, shutdown, but it's obviously a good time to be a digital product. So we've been going a year, and the the we're pleased with the way in which the numbers of listeners has, has grown, and it's grown sharply over the last sort of couple of months, so that's good. And um, we've got plans for the, the coming year. So uh, without um, sounding too sort of uh, optimistic that yeah no we're, we're in good shape I think oh,
1: glad to hear it um...
2: <laughs> yeah you don't you don't sound particularly <laughs> glad to hear it
1: <laughs> I did I did it's just that you don't sound it I know I detected that note in my own voice there um <laughs> no I am I'm, I'm very glad to hear it and uh, yeah I know lots of people in the industry uh, have been enjoying the conversations you've been having so yeah best of luck with all of it Mike thanks as well to you no thank you Owen and uh, thanks to everybody for listening we'll be back with you again next week bye bye
0: the sports pro podcast is published by sports pro media the producer is Ed Dixon